Hey everyone, meteorologist Ed Russo with the uh, latest It's Raining Mets podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And of course, I'm also mm-hmm. uh, joined by meteorologist Tom Russell here. And it's great to catch up with you, Ed, as we uh, like to bring the folks in on kind of what we're thinking. You know, the stuff we don't always get to during the weather cast. You know, we're, we're right. kind of focused on the next couple of days. In this case, we get to dig a little deeper, right? We get to dig a little deeper. I'm, I apologize for the crackling sound. Um, <laughs> That's uh, that's my uh, that's my cat, and <laughs> seriously, yeah, yeah. Do you hear that? Yeah, that's good theater of the mind. So tell I, us what the cat is doing. I know he's uh, so he loves going in, in in these brown paper bags. So I leave one on the floor for okay. him because he just likes to hide in there. And every time I'm trying to do something on the computer that involves recording like this, uh-huh. he decides it's a good time to go in and make all of this unnecessary noise. So, well, of course, it's like cats late at night. That's when they want to step on your head and whatnot. I know, I know. I think he, <laughs> I, I think he found his. Uh, I, I think he finally got comfortable. So, if you hear crackling in the podcast, I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I mean to to. I actually try to remember. He just got out of the bag. I, well, see, that, that was well, totally you know unnecessary. Say, Ed, the cat's out of the bag. So. Yeah, he, yeah, the cat's out of the bag. He just, he, <laughs> he literally went in there for two seconds to make all of that noise and then got out. So that wasn't even necessary. Um, but that's what oh, that yeah. noise was. Now, Tom, okay. yes. I was listening to you, but I completely <laughs> forgot what you said. <laughs> well, I want to dive right in here because we just had this incredible storm in New England and it never got a name. And I, you say, well, Tom, it wasn't a hurricane. Well, wasn't it? I mean, we had winds of uh, over 100 miles per hour. This thing was very impactful. It caused flooding. It caused wind damage. Uh, there were some isolated tornadoes. It was a full-blown storm that every bit of it deserved a name. And the whole reason we name things is to get people's attention. So they wake up and go, oh, my gosh, did you hear about that storm? And we give it a name, and it, and it, it brings it to the forefront. So here's a, a nor'easter, basically early season that caused every bit of damage that a strong hurricane would do, and yet we didn't name it. Now, you know me. I complain that we name all these things that don't matter. And, uh, Ed, you mentioned, uh, what was it, Henri mm-hmm. back in August. Hurricane Henri, spelled like Henry. Uh, the caused French a lot of damage, uh, you know. But there were these storms that barely got a name, and now here's one that should have gotten a name because of, of what it caused and yet it doesn't. So I'm a little frustrated. You agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I'm 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 on the same page with you. I mean, I I think this is could be more memorable than you know the the problems Henri brought, which were significant, uh, but this one also was. But there were also a lot of storms that really weren't significant at all, mm-hmm. and they got names. And this I, one, now you could argue that it wasn't a, a warm core system. It was a nor'easter. It was. But we've been we've been naming non uh, tropical systems, right? Yeah. So that's that's the uh, you know the precedent that's been set, and that's why it's it can be a little confusing to convey, well, danger in a way because yeah, it was dangerous. People sure. make the assumption that it's it's not a named storm. Maybe you know, it's not we're, we're talking about it's still you know October here, right? People aren't necessarily going to think big winter storm. They're just going to think that. Um, that the storm doesn't mean anything. But, I mean, this thing packs some pretty strong northeast winds. I mean, that's why it's called a nor'easter, because the northeast winds that develop on the western side of it as it blows up along the coast. Right. So, you know, it brought a good surge, um, major yeah, waves. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, so it was a Wind? significant system. Yep. 
Yeah. I saw a uh, wind gust of what 110 in Massachusetts. Is that what the highest one of the highest it I was, saw? It was high, and I know. Um, so you know, in marine waters, you know the Great Lakes same way. Uh, you got your small craft advisory, which just basically say you're like your little Boston whalers probably shouldn't be out on the water because of three to five foot right. waves. And then you get your your gales, your gale warnings. You know, typically we get our first gales off the coast in November. It's called the gales of November. Right. Like it gets that name, um, which, you know, those are, you know, 35 plus knot wind storms, which translates to, you know, very strong winds and miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And then you get your storm warning. So you've seen the storm warning before, which shows, you know, very destructive winds, but they're not necessarily a hurricane. But they're well, what do you a- mean by storm warning? Were they getting... Uh, you know, just the, the marine warning of, of storm yeah, so, warning? Yeah, so you've got, yeah, you've got your small craft advisory, you've got your gale warning, gale and then warning, the next step up from a gale is, is a storm warning. Storm warning, okay. And I think a storm warning has to have winds in, in excess of 50 knots. Which we had, which, right? Which I believe we had. And what is what is knots in miles per hour? Uh, 1.1. 50 so, knots in miles per hour is, yeah, that's 58 miles an hour. Yeah. That's, uh, sustained but, winds. So that this storm prompted storm warnings off the coast. So right, but should it have prompted you know something bigger? Now I'm not for naming everything, but you know it seemed to me as far as impact based, this should have been you know given some kind of special designation or or something. In other words, I'm asking, would you have put it under the the purview of the Hurricane Center, or because it's you know a cold core system? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess if it was a cold core system, I would have just referred to it as a nor'easter. I think it just, you know, it comes well, down to the fact that uh, there are much weaker tropical systems out there that paled in comparison to this, right? And that's the point I guess we're kind of making yeah. here. But you know, the tough call is if it's not truly a tropical, then they shouldn't be playing in that sandbox anyway. But you and I have pointed out that they do name. Uh, post tropical and uh, and extra tropical cyclones and give them names. So. Right, and I remember uh, Odette. It was like a like this elongated trough that didn't right. even have like a well defined center of circulation. Right, center of circulation, and and that got named as it was pulling away from the north North Carolina coast. So, twenty years ago, I don't think that would have been named. Correct, correct. So I think we said in two thousand four they started naming, um, you know, subtropical systems. So that's right. added to our numbers. But in this case, I think they kind of missed the boat as far as, you know, if you're going to name 20 some storms every season, th- this one certainly deserved it. Well, I mean, if it got a name, it would have been taken more seriously. Because I think th- so. Think, think, I think, about, so. think about what the headlines would have read. You right. Know, they, you know, when, it's, when there's something in like, when a name storm heading towards the coast, it makes the headline that much better and much more. Right easy to pay attention to like it sticks out so in, in terms of messaging yeah people could have paid more attention to it because if in fact it were named even though it was stronger than a lot of uh you know those tropical storms this past that season we've seen. Right. yeah it wasn't wasn't even warm core well the other thing as long as we're complaining about uh terminology and whatnot the other thing that's been getting all the uh, headlines lately is what we call a bomb cyclone. So that has always been a term in meteorology, just means that it, it rapidly intensifies. That barometric pressure falls, what, 24 uh, millibars in 24 hours. Yep. So it, bombing out was always the term. But then when you see the mainstream media kind of get a hold of it and, you know, headlines where 
that are non-meteorological, you're like, you know, it's not that unusual. It's not something that we've never seen before or whatever. So I, I kind of hate that those terms that were always in the uh, kind of inside baseball, if you will, are now getting the headlines. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. And I had the same issue when the I heard everybody throwing around the term bomb cyclone. Right. Um, because does the general public know what a bomb cyclone is? They think no. that it's a it's an adjective used to describe <laughs> yes. a really strong storm. It's not. It actually no. has a technical definition. And if the media is, or I shouldn't say the media, but I've seen a lot of reporting outlets uh, say this without knowing what the real definition is, which means right. that they're just as likely to use the same term when it doesn't actually fit that definition. Right, the meteorological community isn't even using it. They just say, oh, big storm. Last time there was a big storm that hit the West Coast, it was called a bomb cyclone. Let's just so this call this one, a bomb cyclone. Right. And then it gets repeated and you're like, wait a minute, you're not even meeting the definition anymore. Right. There you know. are certain terms, like when you get super scientific, stuff can sound really scary. I, I mean, there's a lot of medical terms out there that doctors aren't going to use because, A, the public isn't going to easily understand the concept. They don't need right. to because it's, it's, it's medical lingo. But if it has the right phonetic sound that gets locked in your ear, people are going to think that it's something that's much bigger than it actually is. Now, it was a yeah. significant storm, don't get me wrong, but yeah, when you start dropping, you know, bomb cyclone, I mean, people are going to well, draw conclusions. And one of the reasons that this one jumped out is you remember we had this heavy rain moving into the Pacific coast. I'm only talking about a week ago, a week and a half ago. Uh, you had this heavy rain moving into the Pacific called a bomb cyclone. And then we had a strong storm, you know, developing as a nor'easter here. And they were like another bomb cyclone. Well, I'm like, no, there's a definition for that. And we're right. not necessarily meeting that, but you're right. That that's how those uh, terms among the, the lay people, if you will, uh, get thrown around like that. So it's a little frustrating. I think. Yeah. You can't, you can't just, um, you know, they do have a meaning and, you know, and when you, it's kind of like when you use a, a word over and over again, it kind of loses yeah. its punch. Yep. Um, yep. And I think that that could happen here with right. this. I mean, it's the same kind of thing with the polar vortex. <laughs> no, I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not go there. Hey, well, you know what? That's probably a good transition. Let's talk about it because, you know, we're pushing to November now. And I think I see our first chance for some snowflakes uh, in early November here, don't you? Yeah, especially, you know, the higher terrain of Pennsylvania, the snow belt of the northwest part of the state, maybe, possibly even maybe some accumulation in those real high spots in the north central mountains downwind of, of Lake Erie. So uh, and you're you're a Lake Erie expert having uh, surfed there. Yeah. So, you know uh, how quickly you can become a lake effect snow machine. So what I'm looking at is Tuesday, the second Wednesday, the third. We're bringing in this big push of cold air, the coldest we've seen yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, that could that could bring up, you know, some of the lake effect snow machine. But it, it seems like either Wednesday night or Thursday, the fourth is when we have a legit shot at some, like you said, snow in the upper elevations. Yeah. And, and I really, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to think about that when you get these real strong bands that come off the lake, yeah, they, you know, they can make it as far Southeast as us. Now, by the time they get here, it'd probably be just lake effect rain, but, right. um, 
Last week, Erie was 70 degrees, water temperature. So that's <laughs> oh, the water temperature. Water temperature. Wow. I remember, you know, and, and you brought this up because I've surfed up there. Usually in October, um, the water temperature on Lake Erie, I have to wear a full wetsuit. It's in the 50s. I would say 50s. usually in the 50s. So the lake was still at 70 degrees. The lake was still at 70, and that's the surface wow. temperature. So you're talking about that's the incredible. First, first few feet of water. And Lake Erie, um, you know, we talk about upwelling. Right. Um, Upwelling does happen on Lake Erie, but it's not as significant because it's a much shallower lake. So the lake is pretty well mixed. So if you have 70 degree water at the surface, yeah, it's I colder mean, at the bottom, but it's still very, very, it can still be very indicative of how warm the lake still is. I mean, but right. the deeper lakes, like Lake Michigan, you're upwelling significant where you can go from, you know, 75 degree water temperature to 40. Yeah, down deep. Yeah. So this is significant in the fact that if I recall last year, we never saw the lake freeze over, right? Right, right. I, that's didn't. significant right there. So what you're saying is it's going to take a, a several initial, uh, several pushes of really cold air to get that lake temperature back yeah down. and it's it's really hard to freeze the entire lake but right and right off pennsylvania if you if you can picture if you know lake erie the northern the north shore of it the canada side there's a um kind of a little peninsula that comes out of canada called long point uh-huh and um Tom, you've got sound effects too. <laughs> that's, that's our engineer, Frank. Thanks. <laughs> I guess I guess the on-air light not known to what an engineer is. Is might. Frank going into a brown paper bag? <laughs> There's the highlight of our podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. You were anyways, that. yeah. So, have you ever heard of Long Point, Canada? I have not. So that's okay. out on the other side of the lake. It's a huge, thin, like. Uh, peninsula that juts out into Lake Erie. Presque Isle is the one that juts out from Pennsylvania. Right, that's the one I know. Right, right. Yeah. So in the on the in the central part of the eastern half of Lake Erie, you have your deepest water. So your okay. deepest water is actually just off the Pennsylvania Lakeshore, and just south of Canada. That so that's part why of, it takes longer to to freeze over. Yeah. So you get, and that's also where your best walleye fishing is. Oh, very good. Yeah, There's some yeah, helpful because, hints. Yeah, because it's it's so it's so like that's a real cold, nutrient dense part of the lake. But yeah, that that part during the winter, you'll get upwelling of water that's warmer at the bottom to the surface. Gotcha. Cause, yeah, because the free the surface is what freezes first. But yeah. So that part of the lake rarely freezes, but it can, and it has. Um, right. But yeah, last year it didn't, didn't really freeze at all. Okay, so we're looking at a really cold snap here the first week of November. Do you think it stays or do you think it retreats pretty quickly? Because one of the things you and I mentioned earlier on another podcast was this quick onset of winter, like winter gets going quickly. Um, I don't think it's that yet. What do you think? No, I think it's. Uh, I think there's certainly still a possibility of it. Um, typically, though, in a in a La Nina pattern, which I believe it's a it's a it's a a weak to moderate La Nina. Is that? Yes, that's the feeling right now. Yeah, so that really never bodes for a for a super cold, snowy winter. Really, at any point during the winter for us. Right. Um. So, I would. So I, I would say that teleconnection. The fact that we're going into a La Nina phase would work against right. a front or even backloaded winter, but okay. I still think you can get that uh, short-term pattern where maybe a couple of weeks you or get you, yeah. you get some decent cold and and you get some 
for perhaps some snow if, if everything comes together just right. So I think there's potential to see some winter uh, for the first couple months of it. But would we characterize it as a strong front-loaded winter? Mm. Hard to say, and I would yeah. lean towards no, because just because of this La Nina pattern that looks to be in full swing by the time we get to that point. So that first week of November, we know is going to be cold, but then we think we uh, moderate, we recede back to, uh, you know, no, uh, normal or above normal. But uh, before we go, let's put October in perspective, because this has uh, blown the, the doors off the charts here. Uh, October has been warmer, the warmest on record, warmer than average. I looked yesterday, the average temperature was 63 and uh and half, was it? yeah 63.4 or something yeah because yeah. you and i were both looking at it yeah and uh the previous warmest october goes back to 2007 when it was 62 so we're talking about the average seeing the highs and the lows for the whole month that mm -hmm. is impressive warmth and uh it looks like it's going to end up warmest on record yeah yeah so that's that's pretty uh amazing that's when you think about it um because especially I, the first part of the month like that was like early september well and late i think august this also follows the other pattern that we had over the summer where we don't cool down at night. Uh, one of the stats that jumped out at me is um, we've never had an October where we didn't be dip below 40. So as we record this, that is still possible, but not likely to be broken. In other words, always in the past at some night in October, we go below 40 and that has not happened in 2021. I know. And that's, that's what we saw over the summer. You know, those, when you're talking about an above normal month, mm -hmm. um, Many times it's the low that's right. so warm. Yep, that skews the number. That really skews the number. Sure, the afternoon highs do too. Um, but especially this past summer, I don't even think last year, it was how warm it was at night that really kind of right. set the stage. And, and and that's when people aren't really like, so, is it, you know, obviously October was warm, but it was really warm because of how, of, of the, fact that we didn't drop very much at night right and, and that's what people are looking for after a long hot summer they want those october nights where they open up the windows and i always call it good sleeping weather and we really haven't had much of that because it's been so uh so warm at night you know you know uh my mom she is insistent and she keeps telling me to research it but i think she already has a conclusion um that ever since the major earthquake of 2004, mm -hmm. she says she's noticed that the seasons have been off. Wait, which, which hurricane? Are you talking about the one in Virginia? Which wait, wait, wait. Did I say hurricane? No, you said earthquake. Yeah, the major, the Boxing Day tsunami. So the major oh. 2004 earthquake that eventually caused the uh, Boxing Day tsunami in Southeast Asia that just wow destroyed. ever since then ever since then i mean it did it there was like a wobble a measured okay. wobble that occurred from the earth because i mean that was a huge earthquake wait you mean in the in the spin of the earth there's a wobble yeah there was a i i don't know if it was it was a there was a subtle wobble of its axis or in its general rotation there was a measured um wobble um i don't know exactly what it was but it was enough where it was detected and ever since then, she claims that she feels like the seasons are getting later and later and later. Like we don't really see hmm. um, the October weather until early November, and and she keeps like she keeps bringing it up. Huh? Uh, well, like, you know, sometimes are you giving it... me homework? Because <laughs> I, I I hate to. It's like 
I, I know I've heard other people say that. I, I've even right. read some science stuff that that's indicated that possibility. But then you have other people say, no, no, maybe it's just climate change or something like that. So, right. I, you know, it's it's a whole bunch of theories, but that is one. And that seems to be one she constantly brings up. Well, maybe your mom is onto something there. That's yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So October, definitely warm. November gets off to a cold start. So uh, next time we'll have to pick up from there as we uh, start to really fine tune what we think is going to happen for the for the winter time but ed kind of alluded to it we think we're going to have some pushes of cold air but overall it should be uh at or above average temperature wise uh how you feeling about precip i mean that's that that's seems like that that's definitely the toughest one i would say at this point maybe near normal yeah um, which for us can be some decent snow and and even as mild as last uh, winter was we had we had several decent snowfalls. Right. You know, here's one point. You know, you could have one really cold snowstorm and uh, it drops a lot of snow, but and it may be disruptive, but the actual moisture content is pretty low. So when you're thinking, oh, we had a lot of precipitation. Right. Well, no, the snow that fell, yeah, it was significant, but it had low moisture content because it was dry. Right. So there's a lot of variables right. you got to consider like that. That's it. So when you have different precipitation types... You mm -hmm. have to be careful with how things are measured with respect to have we had a normal amount of precipitation or have we not? So, well, maybe by our next podcast, we'll have seen our first snowflakes fly. So uh, make sure you keep checking back here, uh, wherever you find podcasts. And it's been a pleasure, my friend. And yeah. uh, here's to uh, some wintertime coming. Our yeah. Way. Pleasure talking to you, Tom. You're listening to It's Raining Mets. <laughs>